We could ask the men to leave. Ask the men to leave? None of us have ever asked the men for anything. Not a single thing. Not even for the salt to be passed. Not even for a penny or a moment alone. Or to take the washing in. Or to open a curtain. Or to go easy on the small yearlings. Or to put your hand on the small of my back while I try again for the 12th or 13th time to push a baby out of my body. Isn't it interesting that the one and only request we women would have of the men would be for them to leave? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Lee Carlo with Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. At the moment of this recording, gentlemen, we are just 15 days away from the 8th Annual Fixie Awards. Very excited. In crunch time. So much so that we are bringing you a double feature this week. We are talking about two movies that are potential Fixie contenders. It is Charlotte Wells' directorial debut, After Sun, and Sarah Polly's Best Picture at the Oscars nominated Women Talking. <clears throat> All right guys, which one which movie you want to talk about first? I I don't really have a preference, but I have a question for for both. Um <clears throat> so let's talk about we Women go? Talking because I feel like it's freshest. All right. So Women Talking, a little background on this movie, directed by Sarah Polly. Um it stars a really great cast of women, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Francis McDormand, Judith Ivey, um, Shelia McCarthy, a couple other recognizable faces, even if they're not names, and Ben Wishaw, also in this movie. Um, it is a adaptation of a novel by Miriam Taves, who wrote about a true story that took place at a Mennonite community in Bolivia um, about a group of women who had been dealing with years of sexual abuse from the men in their colony. And this story focuses on them gathering together to decide what to do about it. And the tagline of this movie goes, do nothing, which is one option, stay and fight, or to leave. And Women Talking is exactly that. It's sort of a all-in-one-location type of movie where our actresses discuss the pros and cons of these choices. Um, And... I, after I saw this movie, I, I looked up the book, which was about 80 pages. So I was like, I can, I can do that. So I did. I read that. And I thought it was a really interesting read. And having read it and having seen the movie, I thought this would be an excellent play. But my biggest question was, is this a movie? And I'm curious how you guys felt about that. Uh, well... I'm going to give the least interesting answer for a podcast ever and say that I feel like I I almost should abstain from saying anything about this movie because I got nothing nice to say about it. Um, No, no, no. That means you should say everything you think. No, but I just, I, I wasn't in the right frame of mind when I watched this for sure. Um, it, it, I found it tedious. I found it boring. I found it uninteresting. But 
I also, again, was not in the right frame of mind. So I just feel like, who am I to say that, I guess? It feels wrong, but that's how I felt watching it. Well, I mean, I disagree with each of those points, but I my question comes from the thought that I had that it is somewhat uncinematic. And... I mean, they're literally sitting in a barn talking about this, all, all this stuff over and over again. I, I, I agree. Like, I don't, I didn't find it cinematic. There was nothing cinematic about it. It's weird because, of course, the um, actual event that the novel is based on that you referenced, Lee, this, none of this happened. They didn't leave. They didn't have a discussion about it, as far as they know. So it feels weird to invent something that is inherently uncinematic, to your point, Jeremy. Okay. Thoughts on that? I mean, did did reading the novel, like, add to this, Lee, for you or something? I mean, the biggest... So the, the movie is a very faithful adaptation to the novel. The biggest difference is that the novel is told essentially by August... Uh, who is Ben Wishaw's character in this movie? He sort of Thank tells the, he sort of tells the story um, about what's going on. Now, his character in this movie is there at this meeting to take the minutes of the meeting. He is the only one who can read and write among all of these women. So there's a very stark juxtaposition, I guess, between you know his his character and his role in this story. Um, now he is very humble and kind and he's in love with one of the women and he's nothing like the men that they're describing but the book and the movie are very similar in basically the events that transpire um <clears throat> i mean the biggest thing i disagree with you jeremy is whether or not this is interesting because i think the things they're talking about are interesting and the actors are do a good job performing it i just think there's not, like I said, there's not enough of a movie here to really, like, warrant the story to be told in this fashion. Now, I th- I thought, like, okay, the broader story here, the the actions that lead to this, the years of abuse that, you know, impregnate these women that, <clears throat> you know, and sometimes kill these women, and then the subsequent leaving, I think that is all kind of a interesting story but then to hone in on just this aspect of the conversation like the, of the, the conversation of the conversation of deciding to leave is is inherently uncinematic exactly and i don't think it's the least interesting necessarily because that other like the you know women being abused by men is is not all that interest like we've seen that a hundred times before so i think what we see here is interesting but the, it's it's not giving us a like a, a narrative in the sense that I think, I don't know, maybe we wanted. I'm not saying this movie was even trying to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I felt like this movie was just trying to be huh, controversial. Is, is that what I'm looking for? Is it, it was just trying to be well, I topical? I don't think it's controversial. Oh, not controversial. <clears throat> but like, I, I don't know. I just felt like the way it was portrayed left me wanting more even if i saw this as a play i'd be like okay like 
where what is this what's the ultimate goal here like what as a story as a storyteller what what are you trying to what are you trying to get across to us as an audience that that you know what's the like expression um uh that we used to we used to say just like something is terrible for terrible sake I mean, I I think it's intended to be a look at a a unique. What's the bab? What do we call Babylon? Amazing. I mean, not Babylon. Um, what's the movie with Sean Penn and I think Brad Pitt's in it? And back in the day, Twenty One Grams. Babel. 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 That's yeah. Yeah. Like Tor- like torture porn. Misery, misery porn. Misery, there misery porn. Not torture porn. Yeah. Misery porn. Um. I don't think this movie is that. I mean, I think it's attempting to look at a community of women that is unfamiliar and unique and how they have to wrestle with their faith and their decision to either stay there and forgive these men for what they did so that they can go to heaven when they die or to, you know, leave essentially and and risk that, you know, that fate, um, at least according to their faith. And... Which is like hard to relate to it is but i think this movie is effective in relaying that message and introducing that idea all these all these women seem committed to that and the actresses do a great job can i just say though that 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 i look we've talked a lot about how we love being dropped into a situation with a lot of a lot of without a lot of um exposition and um, context it kind of helps us feel as an audience like what a community is like without having to feel like it's in a movie but we're dropped into the situation I didn't know if we were I didn't really read anything about this movie I didn't know if we were in the past I didn't know I didn't have any idea what this was and I you know I had to look it up I mean I just like in the middle of the movie looked up women talking and it said in a 2010 Mennonite community I was like okay well, that's helpful, but like, there's no subtitles. There's no, the characters don't even say that. Like you get, a, I think you get a glimpse of like a refrigerator and then like a somewhat modern car at one point, but, um, yeah. And they announced there's the scene where the car goes by saying they're taking the 2010 census, but that's the right. only real clue. So I, I had read something about Sarah Polly, like even the, the way that she chose to shoot this movie, kind of the, that muted color palette that it has was to give almost this impression of like a, I don't want to say timelessness, but like not knowing what time period it takes place. And now I don't know if that's the idea behind that is like, oh, this this has happened forever or it doesn't matter if this is 2010 or 1810 or whatever. Like this stuff has always been happening and and maybe that's that's the thought process there. I mean, I I struggled a little bit with understanding why the time period and what this community specifically was, was so vague, but I didn't have any issue with kind of being dropped into the middle of it and learning why they were meeting and learning about them just through their conversations. I thought that worked really well. Lee, can you turn your mic down just a little bit? I noticed you're a little overloaded on the last one. 
I think that's an interesting point because I normally really like that. And I um, find those kind of films very enjoyable. And I think it makes me understand what it's like to walk in another person's shoes. But I, I don't know. I, I think if I knew that in the first 20 minutes, I would understand like, why are these people talking so strangely? Is this how Mennonites talk? Is this how, um, I mean, is this, is this a style of the screenplay? Is this like a sort of, um, you know, overwritten purposely, uh, for our sake, um, uh, I will say, I, Jeremy, I want, I really want to hear, I really want you to like lash out on this movie, and I, I, I don't know what we have to do to get you to do that, but I will well, say, I, I absolutely hated the way this movie looked. I hated the color grade in this movie. Um, I don't care what she was trying to do with it. Uh, it just was so unappealing to watch, and in a movie where. Like you said, Jeremy, you could you could have this on a stage and you'd leave saying saying, what did I just watch? Um, you know, maybe make it a little more exciting, a little more beautiful to watch. You've also got like beautiful actresses in this. Not to say that, like, I mean, obviously they're like they don't wear any makeup and, you know, they're stripped down for perp- for a good for a good reason. But like, I mean, this movie was so ugly and just like and 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 I. I don't know. I didn't make the connection to what you explained um, Sarah Polly was doing, Lee. But um, I don't know if it, that's it. That was, I've had a, had that thought. I, I I really I really just found it a little debilitating to to be completely honest. That like it was just very hard to watch because of how ugly they intentionally made this movie in the color grade. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think the color grade does a little bit of a disservice in a lot like painting the picture of what this community is like, you know, their costumes can be, you know, simple and, you know, handmade and their houses can be simple. And like all, all of these things can be, can be used to show us what this Mennonite community is like, but you put this color palette in place and all of a sudden none of that stuff matters anymore. You've taken that all out of the equation. So I think it does the movie a little bit of a disservice for giving you a broader picture of where these women are coming from and what this is all about. So, I mean, I'm with you. Like, it didn't bother me just from an aesthetic standpoint. I thought it looked fine, but it, I don't think it was necessary or did any, or or maybe it was it was harmful. I think it's important to point out that this movie has two Academy Award nominations, which back on the day of the old five... Uh, best picture nominations uh, would not happen. Uh, this movie has no performances, no uh, uh, cinematography, no technical awards, no director, it's screenplay, yeah. and best picture. And that makes me feel like this is just like a well, we've got to get to ten, so we're gonna throw women talking in there. It is, and of all the movies to throw on to get to 10 i think this is a strange one and clearly one where they're like well we got to put women talking on there even though they you know they don't nominate any of the women in it um but let's let's talk about that because obviously well i I got a point to that um would it have helped to show the community like the life in that community beforehand like to get some sort of understanding of how they lived because 
here's the problem is that we're, we're three guys talking about a movie called women talking and I'm telling you I was bored by it, which I was, and I didn't quite understand it, but I also couldn't relate to not the, the woman aspect of it, but the, the cultural aspect of it. Right. I had no idea what these people were like, were they like, like to Chapin's point, were they Amish? Were they, were we, were we in the 1800s? Like what? I, I, had, I just had no concept well, that was my point too. That like the the periphery of what happens in this movie is is the stuff that would make it more of a movie. Like seeing this community, how they behave, what they do. You know, even if you don't want to show the actions that they're talking about, these rapes and these sexual yeah, assaults, you don't need to see. I just want to know right. what what is the daily life? Like, what is happening here? It, it why just, did they? Why did they decide to do this with their life? And that's that was my point. That you know, is this a movie? Like, is there enough here? I mean, and clearly there is. I mean, it's like it is a type of movie, but like it, it, what you're looking for, Jeremy, I think is valid in that, like understanding these characters well enough to relate to them and to root for them. You right, might want to know a little bit more about on, them. They just literally get on screen and tell us these horrible things that have happened to them. And of course, you're like, well, yeah, yeah, that's awful. Like, would you you should definitely do something, but you don't have any context behind their everyday life to know to even because like this this puts it in categories like you said stay forgive leave like as an audience member you kind of want to put your vote in there too but it's hard to put your vote in there too if you have no zero concept of who these who these people are what their lives are like any of that so you're just kind of like hearing these people go off and some people getting really angry and some people being forgiving and some people doing this and you're just like i don't know what's happening yeah it's it's interesting I, and look like i think i think i get it from a from a like a, a conceptual point of view look like what this is this is obviously a um some kind of answer some kind of um comments on the me too movement and i think because this was such an interesting event um in manitoba county is that what it's called manitoba county well, in, in bolivia? bolivia i don't know where specifically yeah but. but that's what the i'm sorry manitoba uh colony sorry yeah manitoba sure colony that. yep yes right that's the one in in bolivia now um this this the, the rapes really happened. And I think it's interesting because like you've got this now, now you've got this community where they're, they're pretty much cut off from the world uh, by choice and the sort of dominance of men and their ability to get away with awful behavior towards women uh, exists even in this place where we don't have the influences of modern culture and all these other things. I, I, what I don't know and what I would be interested to know, and I'm not sure this movie answered, is this, is this the case for all, um, Mennonite communities are, are Mennonite communities in general, just sort of oppressive to women. Do they not let them get educated? Is that this particular Mennonite community? We, we don't, we don't really discuss that, but I think what I would imagine Sarah Polly's interest in this story is, is that it's this little microcosm of what happens to the world, right? Of like, how the the patri the dominance of the patriarchal culture has just 
destroyed these women's lives in such an awful way, being drugged by animal tranquilizers to and and, and raped. Uh, so I I I get that, but I just feel like. And perhaps like in my mind, I, I get the connection there. Like, okay, we're going to drop these people in the middle of this with a, with very little context so that they see this, make that connection. It's not, this isn't about a Mennonite community. This isn't about, you know, sort of, uh, people who, you know, don't embrace modern society. This is, this is about how the patriarchy dominates even, uh, the most remote communities in the world and um in principle i get that and i understand uh why she would choose this story and be interested in it but in my own understanding of this movie as as sort of as jeremy says a movie is a movie is a movie within the context within the walls of the movie you are a little confused you just go in there and you're just like wait, wait, is this like what am i supposed to take away from this what is my understanding of this community? Like I had to read that all the men left to deal with like getting the guys out of prison or getting the guys out of jail. They're bailing them out. Why did every, why did a hundred men have to leave the community to deal with that? (laughs) Like, like what's happening here? Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, just the sort of far fetched, like taking a real story and then adding this like far fetched idea, which that like, the community is cleared out of men, which gives these women the opportunity to talk about it. And I mean, I, I get that. Like, I think that's an interesting idea, but like at the same time, this is a real thing. This happened. At least part of it happened. Yeah. It's I weird. think both it's like, things can be true. Like what you're saying, Chapin, like in theory that works and even, it might even be good, but it's still from a movie perspective, missing the things that Jeremy's talking about, which is like, a broader context or even like a broader story for us as audience members to engage in that idea that Sarah Polly is interested in because there's a difference between watching something and engaging with something. And here we're just sort of watching it and interpreting it, but we're not engaged with these characters. We don't know them well enough. We're not, we don't have a rooting interest in them aside from them, obviously being the victims of these horrible crimes. We don't have, anything to like connect with right so the closest is with Rooney Mara and um and Ben Wishaw's character yeah yeah, yeah. that's the only th- time you're like oh well I kind of hope these two characters could find something that seems interesting to me right but I guess I, I'm wondering like okay so obviously the sort of the, the 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 sort of the Mennonite aspect of this kind of like it it, it it keeps the story sort of timeless in a way. But at the same time, do you, I, I don't feel like we understand that culture at all. And so because of that, you know, we don't really understand the context of it. Like, I mean, I think you get an, an, enough here. You, you learn that they're, you know, the women are uneducated. Right. Um, you know, you learned like that they're obviously very committed to their faith and sort of follow that. And obviously the, the community is run by the men. You don't get a lot, but I think for the purpose of what this movie is trying to say, you get enough. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to, I don't know, like, 
it's weird because it 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 doesn't always mean a movie doesn't work when you just like like Javen said throw us into a situation for some reason god this is going to sound bad but i thought a lot of 12 angry men during this because sure, it's yeah, like of a course. very yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah it's yeah, i'm sure that there is some I don't want to say an influence on it, but just in terms of but like it's the, like the a, single a, room and talking. A, a yeah. single room of characters talking and trying to figure something out, which in that movie is really engaging and you kind of get to know structurally every one of those characters. Whereas here, I feel like they didn't do a good job of letting you... Because the difference is... Here's the difference. The 12 Angry Men were not victims. They were the ones trying to figure something out. So they could develop the characters outside of that. Whereas here, these are all victims. So they have a very emotional case to be made. So it's hard to understand who these people are outside of the context of their victimization. See, I think the the biggest difference is that the familiarity we have with like the courtroom and the jury and understanding what they're, who the, like where these people come from and like who they are versus true. this, we don't, don't know, know who these people are. Because like when I first watched that movie, I didn't have very uh, much understanding of courtrooms and juries and all that, and it's still connected to it. Um, yeah, I don't know, and it all feels like we're not allowed to say any of this because it just looks like we're. No, that's not true. We're we're not understanding, but it's it. That's I don't think there's anything to not understand about this movie in terms of what you're saying, like that it's about a bunch of women. I think the what these women went through is very easy to understand. I think what we are struggling with is understanding who these women are specifically outside of this event, and without that, there might be something missing in this story. Um, is it? I also related this to Hereditary a lot. For some reason, I I felt I understood the 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 commune aspect of hereditary and the the humans involved in that so much more than I Wait, did this. I mean, her, sorry, not hereditary. hereditary uh, or um, what's his the next other one? one? Yeah, the other one there with Florence Midsommar. Pugh. Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah. Midsommar, sorry, Midsommar. God, I was so I was really interested to hear your yeah no, no <laughs> your sorry. connection Mi- to hereditary. Midsommar. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the performances here. Um, Wait a second. I, I, I think I'm, I'm really interested in what Jeremy just said. Um, well, cause you left the room. <laughs> I heard you. I was listening. Um, but I think that's a really, uh, interesting point. Like you don't, I, I actually thought, and, and I, <laughs> what was the movie Lee that you were like, we, it was a bunch of like really great women performances and you singled out the man. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to bring that up cause I was going to do it again in this movie but yeah well it's um, kind of true in this movie that ben was the, the, is the, the favorite right he's, he's ben really Wisha is is the only guy who the only character who has an arc really well like the other women are sort of like how they are at the beginning jesse buckley's the sort of angry you know let's not do anything person and uh rooney mara um wants to be you know it's kind of you know ethereal and yeah and and doesn't you know it's sort of uh metaphysical um but he i actually thought he was the best performer <laughs> no i a hundred percent agree he's so I, good i, I too agree and, and this it's, is really bad. it's not well this is this was my theory on it it's not so much 
the arc piece, although I think that that is that's also true. Each one of these actresses sort of have their moment. Like you have like a scene here that's this is Claire Foy's scene. This is Jesse Buckley's scene. This is Rooney Mara's scene. Wisha is like this constant presence in this movie and like balances like all of these moving pieces. So I think partly it's his role here, but I also think like he has a, oddly more to do than the, all the actresses do in this movie. Like they, it's sort of a version of them all canceling each other out. I do have to say, I did like Judith Ivy in this movie. Uh, she played the older lady. Yeah. The one that sort of, she's a good uh, actress. Yeah. Yeah. I liked her a lot. Yeah. yeah. I thought she was really good in this. And I think everyone else in their acting moment was really good but I couldn't equate that to a better overall performance. They all exactly. had their moments, yep. but it was very individualized for that scene. And, and it was meanwhile, like, Wisha is like heartbreaking and caring yeah. and like smart and like such a presence in this movie and constant throughout we're, it. We're gonna lose all our women. Listeners. No, this is a, this has nothing to do with that. Like it's absolutely right. Like every it, this is a problem with the movie. Like it's like they went on set. It's like okay, Rooney Mara. Like it's it, here's your take, and then Claire Foy. It's your your take. Like go all well, out, we, win we, your Oscar. This like is it's a all, follow. We have it, a follow up Pixie winner in this film, and she's so sidelined by her character that she can't deliver a great performance. I, I thought Buckley's. If you had to pick one of them, I thought Buckley's performance was the most interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like this is a fault of the movie. This is not a fault. This is not a some a critique we should be ashamed of. Like right, because everyone when they had their moment, nothing was like, uh, did, nothing stood out in a negative way. Everyone really nailed it and really nailed their scenes and what's great in it. But as a collective. As a collective um, performance within, you know, their character, they just it it was yeah, like did they, here's like, did your they scene, have chemistry. Here's your no, I wasn't even talking about collectively together. I meant like because they had those standout moments. I just thought their the entirety of their performance was one note, and then they had their scenes. Yeah. But then I would ask, like, do you did all these women have chemistry? I mean, they didn't not have chemistry. But were, were there any scenes where you like, where you like, remember that scene with Buckley and Claire Foy? Like, that's that's a nope. scene we're going to be talking about forever. It's Meanwhile, your scene, you have these, it's your scene, it's your scene, it's your scene. Meanwhile, you have these wonderful scenes with Rooney Mara and Ben Wishaw, a really, really impactful and great scene with Claire Foy and Ben Wishaw at the end. Yep. And again, I think that speaks to his presence, his sort of, um, you know, no, omnipresence you, in this movie. Did you guys get that they're sisters? Who are? Who are? Claire Foy and Rooney Mara. Uh, yeah, I they're. Did, I didn't get that. They're because Sheila, Sheila McCarthy their plays their mother. Their yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesse Buckley's mom is is Judith Ivy. So are we all gonna? Oh no, only, that's the other way around. Judith the, Ivy is um, the only nomination for the Fixies for a women talking no, is you... gonna be Ben Wishaw for all of us. It's possible. <laughs> oh God. And, is this a good script? Is this a good script? No, no. See, I actually think it is. I do not. Is. I think how can it be a good script? And we just had all these complaints about it. Because I think that because for what it is, what it's trying it had, to be, I think the writing is acting, really interesting. It had good directing. It might not have had great cinematography. So really, most of it is on the script. 
Right, but but what's wrong with the script? Aside from it not giving us what we were looking for specifically. But we're looking for a movie. We're looking to relate. We're looking for characters that we understand. That's, I know, but you. The I think a, needs a lot to put that is, in there. A lot is revealed just through dialogue in this movie, and you know, not a very long movie. I don't think it has bad dialogue. I don't think it has. I wouldn't not. I, I'm not going to nominate it, but I think it's a good screenplay. I, I mean, I disagree. I think the screenplay is the issue. You're saying it's none of the women's fault for their performance. What? What? Whose fault is it? Well, it's the I, I don't think. But I don't think this is a bad movie like you do. I think. I think the problem is that there's more here that that maybe prevented it from being like a a true like narrative film but for what it is what it's trying to be i think it you know tells the story in a pretty efficient way i think it introduces these ideas that chapin was outlining and i think the missing piece is like really getting characters that you care about but you know it's not that's why Look, it's not a great script thing, but it's i think like, it's good like one. i said i was not in the right frame of mind for this and it, i was in the frame of mind where um I was very distracted by other things. And if somebody had told me at that moment to read Moby Dick, I would have a hard time doing that. And I felt like this is also sort of a novel in the way you have to digest it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Let's move on to our second film, which is a writer... Uh, writing and directorial feature debut from Charlotte Wells. Um, After Sun stars Paul Mescal, who most people know from Normal People. Um, we also know from um, last year's film, The Lost Daughter. Um, it also stars a actress named Frankie Corio in her debut performance. Um, before I ask you guys my question, I'm going to... I'm going to take us back in time a little bit to 2018. Um, I think 2000, steal, steal my thunder here. The, the 2019 Fixies, um, where my number one film of yeah, the year you're was... you're going to steal my thunder. ...was Beautiful Boy. And I think you guys were... Scratch your head about that a little bit at the time. Um, I was Still a do. relatively Still new do. dad. Um, I haven't watched that movie since, but that movie you know, was had a huge, huge impact on me. Uh, when I saw it and I've been waiting for a movie like after Sun to come along since you guys both had daughters, uh, because this is the story of, um, a young father and his daughter on a week long vacation, um, in Turkey and kind of their relationship and seeing through the perspective of Sophie, the daughter and how she sees her father. Um, we have, it's framed, it's framed sort of as, by using, obviously, the real footage and also some camcorder footage that the daughter is watching as an adult um, as she's dealing with her newborn child. And, you know, f just to put my opinions out there, like, I thought there was a lot about this movie that worked really well, and I liked a lot. I thought Charlotte Wells' direction was great. I thought the cinematography was really smart. The performances were great. But the biggest and I think most important part of this movie is kind of the emotional resonance and emotional impact it has on you. And I don't 
think it really worked for me as much as I hoped. So I want to know how that worked for you guys. And if you guys relate that at all to the fact that you are both, you know, young fathers of daughters. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was a movie I kind of wanted to host because I literally would have started by saying uh, almost the same thing you did Lee, except for in the opposite way that I wanted this so badly to be my beautiful boy movie in my beautiful boy moment. Beautiful um, But I couldn't get there with this. And I, I literally, I watched it twice. To try. I, <laughs> no, I watched it twice because I thought I missed something the first time. I did time. too. I I'm, just I'm glad, couldn't. I'm glad you did that because because I, I felt the same way. I couldn't understand what it was and I was missing. I thought I was just distracted like you watching women talking. And I was like. No, I paid I attention the, both times. I paid yeah, attention I liked closely. the movie and I thought it was very emotionally resonant, but um, certainly not the best movie of I the just year. did not, not yeah that's the other thing it's Metascore. the highest rated meta score I just didn't I what did I miss guys like I I, I didn't I'm, really relate to this father-daughter relationship at all maybe it's because I only have a three-year-old so I didn't quite get there but it also is like he's an absentee dad a bit and I, it just like I didn't I want I wanted so badly for this to be my favorite movie of the year and I wanted to just sing its praises and i wanted to understand like everybody else how paul mescal it's 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 elvis yeah how how everyone's like paul mescal did things acting that i've never seen before kind of like uh i i did say uh, in beautiful boy and i wanted to get all that but i really did not feel any of that watching this and i thought the movie itself was mediocre at best so i i liked this movie but i'm with you guys 100 percent. and like the same reaction i was just like well, i should be feeling more like i'm not yeah. having I'm, i should be feeling more feelings what's wrong with me and i don't you know i think that the the final scene is emotional and touching and like i think there are some moments here that i i do see in paul mezcal's character um where he his name is callum and I see, I see, like, I relate to it a little bit, just like as a parent. Like, there's these moments where, like, he kind of, like, the one that really got me was when he insists that they play um, water polo. And he's like, he's on vacation, like, he wants to do something fun, and, like, she is not going to enjoy it at all. And, like, I sort of get that, that conflict you have as a parent where you, like, wanting to make your kid do something that you like. Right, because you, you want to have fun and, like, you're thinking about yourself in that moment. And so there were things like that that worked, but just, like, the, the like, major emotional impact that this supposedly has had on a lot of its audience was just not there for me. And, like, that did not make it a bad movie. Like, again, I thought there was, I thought there was some really smart things done here from a rookie director that I really enjoyed. And I thought Mescal was quite good i thought frankie corio was excellent yeah she was great. i thought she was really um good. and so like this is a movie i'd recommend but like not yeah, wholeheartedly i was really hoping you guys would tell me what i was missing and like h- how i missed the boat on this because i wanted like there's no movie this year i wanted to like more than this movie yeah uh i mean as a you guys are both uh you know you have intact families uh, as a single dad, I think I might have related the, to this a little bit more. 
and I like I get the I get the um the the sort of the weird uh you know <laughs> you know like coming home drunk <laughs> yeah to your you know, to your daughter's hotel room I've never done that but like the the sort of the the wait Ridley doesn't inter- have her own own hotel room sorry she's, she's not putting you to bed yeah no she's not but the sort of intersection of your weird single life with you know being a, a dad and a responsible dad like that's a weird a weird a weird thing but like yeah i mean it's it comes down to the style for me it was just so hands off so verite that it it it, those emotional moments just didn't resonate you know and like i love that style most of the time and most of the time i feel very strongly and i can relate to that and i love that subtlety but she just didn't do enough there just wasn't enough um structure there wasn't enough Push. There wasn't enough. Until she played under pressure, and then everybody was like, "This movie's working." Yeah. Even I mean, that, I, I heard about that beforehand. They're like, "It's the best use of this song I've ever seen." And when then, was yeah, that? They said that on film so spotting. Which, and then I listened to it. And when was, was like, that sequence? The one. It's towards the end. It's like one of the last sequences. I mean, yeah. that song is just good. The like, song's <laughs> good, but I think it was. It's better in. Um, I don't know. Adaptation trailer. Yeah, adaptation trailer. Exactly. Um, yeah, and there was moments where I just didn't understand him as a father, like that. I, I I got annoyed with him, and that kind of maybe took me out of it. Like the when she wanted to sing karaoke with him, and he was just like, "Don't even go up there." And, See, that kind of stuff worked for me because, like, my, what I, the storytelling part of this movie that I think was most successful is that that he wants to be and like I think is a good father. Like, at least, like, in this moment. and But you can see that, like, he's distracted. He has other things that he's interested in. Or, you know, he's, you know, had too much to drink and is now too self-conscious to do karaoke. What Really, it works the other way around normally. But I think, like, the there's these really good moments with him where, like, this is not just, like, a movie about, like, a perfect vacation. And it's not the kid that's, like making making it difficult it's the adult and i love the idea of how children see their parents and like that's something i have found more interesting as you know my kid gets older and this movie is like completely that like even there's even like these interesting things she does with the camera where it's like mescal is like partially off screen like because it's you're not really seeing the whole picture and like all that stuff works. So when he doesn't do the karaoke or like he insists on playing water polo when she doesn't want to, or like he just decides the night's over and she stays out. Like those, those moments for me, I thought were, were an interesting way to portray how a child would see this happening. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and, you know, being an only child on vacation with your parents, like finding your own fun in those situations. Like I, I related to that a lot. Um, but yeah, like, don't you guys agree about the style? So like, well, I, didn't, too, like, I don't they blame didn't... the style. I mean, the style is but, what but it is, t- but she it... doesn't, I know, but she doesn't, she doesn't tell us enough, you know, like she's showing us these events. She's not telling us where to look. She's not showing us where to look. She's not, 
I didn't mind this her style yeah, here. The style I thought it didn't worked. Bother me that much. I just wanted no, of to. Of course it I, did. Of course it did. That you guys would <laughs> like this movie more if it did. I did like this movie. I liked it a lot, but I just it didn't. The most important part of this movie, like I said, is that it has an emotional impact. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, it didn't. I, I think my expectations hurt my viewing of this movie. Um, but also, here's another movie I had a hard time relating to. Which is weird. Which is weird. Which is, is it though? It is like, a little bit. I mean, like, your your daughters are still young. Yeah, like, they're still young. So and Like, Sophie in this movie is 11. Um, so there's, you know, there's some scenes. Yeah, there's scenes where, where she goes off on her own. I'm well, like, oh, your son you was shouldn't. young when you watched Beautiful Boy. He's nowhere near becoming a I know, but like, but the, the, the scary part about Beautiful Boy for me is how how that character like grows up with like a good family, even if it's not like a, you know, typical nuclear family, like is, is an affluent and like a good upbringing and good parents. And like, you can do everything right. And then that kind of thing can still happen. Like that's, that's the thing that's so scary. I mean, like, I, I think these are very different movies and my reaction to that is not what you're trying to get out of this, but like, I think my fragility at that point, you know, was, was taken advantage of by that movie. Like, and I think, you know, I liked a lot of other things about it including Chalamet's performance, but you know, this movie clear, like I was, I was wondering if this movie would have that kind of impact for you. I, I mean, I think, I think since you guys have had kids, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, how, you know, you see some movies differently now and like certain things affect you differently with movies. So I think you understand my reaction to Beautiful Boy better than you did then, even if you don't agree with where I ranked it. But this movie clearly had that for people. And I'm wondering, like... Where was it? Was it just that last scene of like him it holding had the it camera? For like critics, this I don't know that this movie has made any money. Well, I know well, money but... doesn't matter. Like no, but it, no, but nobody's but seen the, it. You're you're talking about a reaction the, for people. I don't think we can okay. Gauge but the, that. the people who have seen it have reacted that way, right? Critics. Okay, well, but they're people. <laughs> but you, I've told you, I've told you, Lee. <laughs> These people, you know, they see fucking 80 Marvel movies a year. And so know, when something I, comes around that's a little bit subtle, I get they that. jizz their pants. I get, I totally get that. Like, I, I've actually had a little bit of that perspective this year, having watched like three times as many movies as you guys. That You've, I've uh, jizzed your pants bragged. this year? I've jizzed my pants a lot more. Yeah, okay. But, <laughs> we knew that. And I do, I do think that there is, I mean, depending on the critic, I think that there's a, I don't know like a let me pat myself on the back by saying this is the best movie of the year type of mentality with critics sometimes because they don't want to be like everybody else and say that Top Gun Maverick is the best movie of the year or, you know, <laughs> everything everywhere all at once or whatever it may have been. Like they want to try to suggest some subtlety in their in their reviews. But how good was Top Gun Maverick? Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear that this movie had a that, that had you know had an impact on people yeah and, and i just felt that in that i i very rarely 
watch movies twice not because i don't want to just because i'm so far behind lee that if i have a moment to watch a movie <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna watch another movie but this movie i'm like i missed something i gotta watch this again it's so I funny we feel... all did that for that reason like I didn't we all... feel what I needed to feel. I wanted to feel all the feels for this. I wanted to be crying. <laughs> I wanted all of it. I just, just wanted to, like, to understand. Find, find Adeline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted to understand. I wanted to like live through this movie, and none of, none of that happened. Disappointing. Okay. It was. It was. It was it's interesting. And I, I, I'm glad you guys are on my page because I, I truly came out of the movie and I was like, oh, fuck, am I just like an emotional wreck? Like, do yeah, I need to go back I... and go into therapy <laughs> twice a week? And... Yeah, exactly. I thought like, oh, man, I'm just a horrible, horrible person. And I'm like, after, after this podcast, and now I know because uh, but, you two agree with me. Well, you also, you also feel stupid because you're like, it's not it's not obvious like this movie is not obvious like it's clearly being subtle in its intentions so when you leave and like don't have the response that you expected now you're like oh i don't i can't i'm horrible at watching movies i don't know anything about movies i should just stick with marvel i'm gonna go see ant-man quantumania at least i'll understand that god i can't even watch those trailers every time those trailers come up or those previews i think it's commercial and then half the time it is half the time he's drinking heineken zero all right. So interesting. We have, you know, two really highly rated movies this year. I mean, After Sun, 95 on Metacritic, which is the highest rated score of any movie for 2022. And then you have Women Talking, which a little lower Metascore, but obviously nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And um, I, I don't think it's fair to say we were all lukewarm on After Sun. Um, we definitely were on Women Talking. But neither of these movies had the impact I think I was cold we were expecting. Um, yet, I don't think that they are completely out of fixie consideration, so we'll leave it at that. Um, what else you guys been watching? Anything? Yeah, I just had a thought about what I watched. But what, I don't know yeah, what I've, I've, uh, I've, I've had a weird week in... I don't want to get into it on the podcast, but uh, no, I like anytime I've had a second to watch anything, it's been Seinfeld reruns or Arrested Development, something that feels good. Lee, what did you just do? Don't worry, fixing it. Uh, well, I watched RRR since the last podcast. Yeah, which we texted quite a bit about. I've been now. I watched this way back in like last March or something and have been telling Jeremy and Chapin to watch it ever since. Yeah. I watched it a while ago. You watched ago. it a while ago, but you know, not right away. Um, but Chapin finally watched it cause I knew it'd be, I knew it would, I, I, well, I suspected that it would reinvigorate his love for movies yeah. regardless of where it certainly ends up in did. the fixies. Certainly did. Um, RRR is on Netflix. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I don't want to give too much away, and I don't want to compare it to um, uh, sort of uh, directly to everywhere, everything, all at once. But, um, but you're about to. I'm about to. Um, again, a silly movie for sure, but there's just something about the way that this movie considers its silliness. 
buys into the idea of this movie the way and i don't know if that's a bollywood thing i don't know if that's the way indian audiences watch movies i don't know what it is but the way that they bought into this film i made really it work liked yeah it. i really really it's made so it much work. fun and um I think that unwavering dedication to a vision, even when it's absurd and <laughs> and the visual effects to relate just... to. But to be honestly, like I know you said that, and I would agree with you. Like I, I they don't not someone, work though. I was watching with someone, and I'm like, why did we need that little like <laughs> preamble about like animals being oh. injured? There was not <laughs> yeah. a real animal in this movie, but um, I I I actually thought like. All the stunts were fantastic. I thought the fights in RRR were exponentially better than they were in They're so good. Uh, everything everywhere. And those guys are like really doing those fights. They're really doing the dances as far as I can I can tell. And like I don't know. I, I, I'm sort of over this like postmodern and that's probably a too broad of a term to use, but like I think that's just what bugged me about everything everywhere. It was just like, oh haha, we're gonna I don't know. <laughs> my inability to describe my distaste for that movie is really I got I really gotta get that down for the fixies when when we are when all it's, uh, when it's when my number when you're, one. When you're when nominating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm glad you I'm glad you liked it. I mean I, I when I first watched that, whenever it was, it had like you know, because it had a high meta score and I'm like, what is this? And I I turn it on and it's a Bollywood <laughs> movie, and I'm like, I've never really watched a whole Bollywood movie and like it gets to that kind of second scene. I mean, the first opening scene is kind of brutal. And then you get to that second yeah. scene where the first kind of fight happens. And I'm like, holy shit, what am I watching? And then the movie just goes and it's three hours long, but just never, ever stops. No. And no. it's a super fun movie. And look, it's it's in Hindu. There's a lot of English speaking in it, but you could also, you could watch it dubbed in English if you really chose to. And I actually don't think you'd lose a lot. So no, it's all it's every every line. I don't even know what languages they're speaking half the time. It's, well, what was funny is when I put it on, um, it took me a while to figure out which which language I was it was supposed to be in because I'm like it it defaulted to English on Netflix, and I was like, well, this is clearly not right. Let me try this. Let me try this, and I went through a bunch of the languages before I found Hindu, and I think that was correct. It didn't um, help that it said R R R and Hindu in the parentheses, the parentheticals. Um, I don't remember. Um, okay. So, all right. So, RRR is one that we definitely recommend everybody check out on Netflix. Um, I, uh, but I do want to say, like, this this is an intimidating movie to watch. It's three hours. Yeah. It's Bollywood. There's going to be a lot of subtitles, but just give it a shot. For sure. Um, all right. It is uh, March 8th. We are about 15 days away from Fixie Awards. Um, we've probably got, I would say, one more pod coming out after this one before the Fixies. Um, I don't know if we want to try to do Close or Living. Both of those are on PVOD um, and are kind of the more recent movies that have come out. Uh, we've also got The Quiet Girl, which is the last movie in theaters. Chapin, I, I don't know um, where that's playing around you, but Jeremy, that'll actually be at Liberty Tree this next week. Um, know what I'm going to see uh, next week? 
Not that it's going to be in consideration for the Fixies, but I got a special screening for Boston Strangler. Oh, nice. Boston Common. I watched Megan um, since it's on Peacock. And? Eh, it's not very good. Yeah. End of story. Won't be nominated for next year's Fixies. Um, so you get a special but, but, screening for Boss Strangler, which is coming to Hulu pretty soon. Yeah, but, you know, this is uh, yeah, exclusive. Drinks included. Um, also, if we want to shift over to your location corner real quick, talk about your scouting escapades this week. Jeremy, you obviously don't have to get into all of it, but uh, one in particular, really significant. Yeah, um, yeah, I double, I double. Uh, he doesn't I, even remember what I'm talking about. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you scouted my house. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about what I'm doing. But yeah, part well, of that what is I'm, what you did. Part <laughs> of what I'm do doing that? is uh, I thought Lee's house would be uh, good for a project I'm working on. And I wasn't wrong. It's just Lee has too nice of a house, too oh, big of a God. house. And it doesn't quite, it's not sort of the rundown thing that this movie was looking for, but the yard. I'll come down and run it down. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, can, how I, much I, do they, how much do they need? How run down do they need it? Uh, I can show you the, uh, the rendering of what they're looking for. I mean, not, not to give too much away about who you're working for, but doesn't this guy have a pretty well-known production designer? Working on this film, uh, he does. And, and isn't this a sequel? So they might need it to look. Oh, similar I didn't know. To... I didn't know that. No, this is a new character's house. Oh, it's not the main no. character's house. No, we're okay. st- they're still they're rebuilding that in a gotcha. in Vermont. Just okay. sort of a little clue there. Okay. All right. Oh, right. 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 Anything else, guys? We, did, we didn't do the categories. Well, I didn't know. We, yeah. All we ever do is, what are you grumpy about? That's the only category <laughs> we really end up doing. So You know, I'm ahead. grumpy about the lack of, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. I've just been running around. I, I did a little grocery stop. <laughs> Were we doing the categories? <laughs> Go for it. I, I, I dropped Ridley off at school this morning, and then I, was, I had absolutely nothing in the house. I had to make a stop to buy specifically her lunch today. So I went to the grocery store. That took an hour. Got back. Been working on stuff. Got a let you know. Got a little talking to from the boss about getting my billable hours out up. So been out working. Then you know stopped for a couple drinks at the Scotch Bar. Uh, but that was for work. I had to film billable. something there. That, that was billable. I billed my time there. Uh, and then I'm back here with you guys doing my you know my passion uh, the podcast. And now I got to run out and shoot some more things now that it's dark. And it's just, there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Yeah, I haven't had a family for a week. and Oh, well, that's uh, nice. It, you would think. At first I was like, this is going to be nice for a awesome. little bit. But uh, it, it uh, makes me realize how sad and lonely my life would be. <laughs> that's what happens. You get you get excited. You get all these plans. And then, then like... Within hours, you're bored. Yeah. It's <laughs> not even boredom. It was like it's loneliness and sadness really quickly, <laughs> and uh, I don't like it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I know there's not a lot of time in the day, but you know we've got some we've got some work to do um, over the course of the next two weeks before we have to get our picks 
to Palmer and Associates and hop on our flights to uh, to New Orleans. So um, I don't want to hear any more excuses. The spreadsheet is as detailed as as it possibly can be. Um, I even text you guys. <laughs> I even text Chapin which theater <laughs> the movie is playing at. Um. So. Are you guys flying private to New Orleans like I am? <laughs> You're flying private? That's terrible. It's terrible for the environment. But look, I I, I decided long ago I wasn't going to fly private anymore. And uh, I just, I'm just too worried about something going wrong. I just, I feel like, like I've our heard a flight lot last of, year. That's a good point. Right. I feel a lot of horror, horror stories about flights just being flat out canceled. And if I miss the fixies, like, I don't know. I don't have any really reason to live. Yeah, Lee and I got our helicopter pilot license for this just so we could. Yeah, we're, we're not going to make it the it. whole way, but we're just sort of just going to stop, get some gas, and do like a well, hopping we, thing. We got it. We got it. Also, so if our if our commercial flight, if there's any issues, we can just be like, we're out. We'll get the helicopter. I feel like fly. that's like not a very efficient way to get from Boston to New Orleans. It's well, this, hel- this hel- helicopter is fast. Did you guys ever see Airwolf? No, it's it's that hair. It's that helicopter. You guys don't know what you were missing if you never watched Airwolf. Missed that one. Chapin, I I would love it if you put the Airwolf theme music at the end of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. Email us. Get your film fix podcast at gmail.com. Send us voice memos. Let us know your favorites of the year. You're running out of time, people. And we're going to do the fixies without you if you don't. So let us know. Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah, and Ernest Gordon. Ernest Gordon. Airwolf. All right. <laughs>